Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's like take off the coat, take out your mom's dresses, take off your dad's hat, take out your grandma's earrings. Like symbolically, we're wearing clothes that are not ours. We're wearing layers that are not ours. We're wearing insecurities and thoughts and emotions and belief systems that are not ours. And it's kind of like, well, how can I commit daily, even if it's something small, you know, but what are some of those micro doses that can be added into the day that enforce us remembering who we are and letting go of what we are not? Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you, what makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story, what happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, 
please seek a helpline in your city. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the podcast. If you were physically abused growing up, please take a look at my new blog post, Finding Self-Love After Physical Abuse. You will find some great tips on moving forward and healing from a childhood of physical abuse. The link to this blog post can be found in the show notes to this episode. Sensitive and intuitive children have historically been misunderstood. Sensitivity has been seen as a weakness, something to be shut down in favour of being just like everybody else. If you took on the feelings of the people around you, if you were openly emotional and were told you were too much, this episode is for you. Emily Rivera was born sensitive and intuitive. She saw things before they happened and she understood that people were more than just their human aspect. She was able to see the soul beneath the person and the story that was playing out for them. Emily has received what she describes as divine guidance since childhood. Emily's passion now is in helping parents to understand and raise their sensitive and intuitive children guiding them into seeing their child's sensitivity as a gift and their intuitive nature as their superpower. Something that when nurtured and explored and allowed will bring so much value to the life of that child and to the world. We need more humans who are in tune with love, connection and healing. And Emily's mission is so important. Please join me now for Emily's story. Emily Rivera, welcome to the podcast. You describe yourself as deeply intuitive and you've been offering intuitive insights to others since you were a child. You're known as the angel coach and for a decade you have been professionally supporting people to connect with divine guidance. Your passion is around helping parents to understand and raise their sensitive and intuitive children. It's such an important topic that we talk about today. Can you share with us what it was like growing up as a highly sensitive, intuitive child. So first of all, Don, thank you so much for having me. I'm very honored and grateful to be here and be able to enjoy this wonderful conversation with you and also your listeners. So thank you. So growing up, it's interesting because people ask me, oh, did you notice how life was different or that you saw life different or experienced things differently? And I have to share that I feel like life created itself in a way, or maybe the angels divine co-created a life for me that allowed me to actually believe that all of us heard, saw things and felt things. I didn't think it was out of the normal. I actually thought everybody could hear the voice. I thought everybody could see stuff. I thought everybody would feel the presence of what I call God, divine universe within and all around you. Like I thought that this was normal. And the way that I experienced it, and again, this is more now in reflection of it, not when I was in it, <laughs> but in reflection of it, I, I just thought that it was just experienced differently, but it was experienced by everybody. And mm. I didn't realize that it was different until I got to college. 
and it was during a missions trip and it was because I heard guidance and I saw something when I addressed it with someone, the people who were with me were like, God doesn't talk to people. You know, you can't hear that's like, that's not okay. And I called my family and I was like, do you not hear voices? Do you not see this? Do you not experience these things? So that's when I realized it was different. And I have to say, because I could hear and experience that, which I call love so palpably, it really guided me through my challenges, through my sadness, through so many things And I'm actually, so I'm sure you, so your listeners know, but I'm sure, you know, um, I hear guidance and see stuff all the time. So this is one of those things that will happen as we're talking, but they are showing me a moment. So my parents got divorced when I was 13. And sometimes what would happen is that I would see or dream about things that were to come. Had moments in my childhood where I thought that I made things happen at times, like when my parents, when I saw that they were going to get separated and it was shown to me in very cryptic imagery, let's say it like that, you know, now me as an adult reflecting back. But when my parents separated, I actually thought that it was because I saw it and I thought that I had something to do with it because I saw it before it happened. The same thing unfolded when I would see spirits or things that would happen to people. I was like, oh my gosh, was it something that I thought or I, or I did? Or so some of those fears did come up with my sensitivities. And I remember it being something that at the moment and at the time, I don't remember if I actually shared it with my parents and other people. And if I did, I just don't remember. But I do know that whenever I would share stuff or experience things or share with my grand, my grandma, my parents and other people, things that I was seeing or hearing, it felt very normal. You know, mm. it felt like they were encouraging it and making it valid or normal versus like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> a lot of my experiences. So when you say you were at college and you rang your family to ask them about mm-hmm. whether they also had these experiences, had this not come up earlier in your life? Like were they not sort of questioning the things that you were saying as you were a kid? No, no, not at all. And, you know, even when I was going to college, I think I always love saying the story because it just reflects how much my family made me feel that this was normal. You know, I was always guided when it came to different parts of my life. And I was shown very clearly a vision of where I was going to go to school. And I knew that it was North. I knew that it was around Tennessee. And I told my mom and my mom said, all right, let's go. And we literally got in a car and did a road trip. I went to first, we stopped at Vanderbilt because I got a scholarship there, but I was like, no, this isn't it. They're showing me there's somewhere else. And, and I would just say, God's showing me somewhere else. And it was fun to witness how my mom really in her own faith and in her own belief and in my experiences, she just drove and we found the place by just allowing the guidance to lead me. And as soon as we were driving up and I went, ended up going to Carson Newman College. And as I was driving, as my mom and I were driving up to go to the school, I looked at her and I said, this is it. This is the school. And she goes, but you haven't seen it. You, you don't know anything about it. I'm like, I, I know, mom, I know this is it. And wow. I remember college being a lot more than what I had get, gotten scholarships because it was a private college. And it was really neat because I told my mom, I said, if I'm shown, if I was shown that I'm supposed to go here, everything's going to work out. And before we left, I got a full scholarship. So it was like very much, they, my mom, my dad, and my family have just seen how much 
life has orchestrated itself to see that it's just outside the normal. But again, they just, they never made me feel like they weren't listening or that they weren't hearing stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, That's incredible, isn't it? To have that sort of support because there must be so many kids that would have had similar gifts to yourself that would have been just shut down constantly and never been allowed to go with those messages, I guess. Was there anybody else in your family that you felt you looking back, was there anybody else that was a bit like you that that understood what you were going through? So for me, in my hallucination around all of this, I think that the reason my family was able to make me feel so comfortable, or at least would entertain the things that I would talk about was because my mom's dad was back in the days, the medicine man in in the community, and he would get visions, people would come to see him when they were sick. So he there was history, and the family and my mom's side around this. So more like, okay, like this can happen, right? So this is a little more normal than, you know, maybe most traditional families. And then dad had experiences himself that whenever a loved one would cross or whenever anything would happen, he would actually see their spirit visit them. So there were things that were happening within the family, within my, my mom and my dad's experiences, even though it were different. But they were able to see and understand like, oh, yes, this is stuff that can happen. And, you know, I always smile. And I know when I talk to them, I'm like, it's funny to consider were you guys just humoring me because I was, you know, a child. And, you know, I I just I lived very whimsically. Or is it something that, you know, was was really, you know, and and I know it was definitely divinely orchestrated. But, you know, it makes me part of what I've shared is like, I think that you were hearing stuff too, or experiencing stuff on some level, you Mm -hmm. know, that helping somehow create the experience that supported what I needed to remember. Cause that's really what would happen since a little girl at five, you know, the first memory that I have is of this beautiful presence in my bed, teaching me about humanity and why I needed to remember. And that I had part of my role was to remember so that I can help other people remember why we were here. Wow. And I guess it would have given you, quite a sense of safety throughout your life is that is that what you felt because you would have felt like you were always looked out for looked after that somebody was guiding you so yes and no I think I still went through all my emotions right because when my parents divorced that was a very traumatic for me experience also in my early early childhood I did experience some abuse not with my parents but just people connected to the family during a a party. And these are things that I knew had happened, but I couldn't remember. And I would always say, I don't, I'm not, if I don't need to remember, I don't want to remember. And I would ask the angels to help me not remember because I was more intimidated what I would remember. But when I did remember, it was also part of an opportunity to see more of what was available within me when it came to forgiving. And also when it came to remembering that I can move through through trauma that we all could, right. That we all could move through trauma. Mm. So that doesn't mean life was easy. And I think that's one of the misconceptions that a lot of people have. They're like, Oh my gosh, your life must've been so easy. And like things always, you knew what to do. You know, it's like things falling into place. And that wasn't the case. I just got to experience life with challenge 
but also within the challenge, I was being blessed with the opportunity to rem be reminded that I could choose, that I can choose the meaning I gave it, that I can choose what I could focus on, that I could choose to change the circumstances with my own emotions and thoughts. And that's a lot of what kept, ha kept happening throughout my childhood, you know, when my parents divorced and I came to the States, it was, it was challenging and overwhelming. But I remember even in high school, I would hear the angels tell me and, and the voice say to me, like, stand straight, look at people in the eyes. Like, you know, when you're talking, like literally they were working on helping me with confidence. And it wasn't because I was in any way, actually I'm being encouraged to say it different. It wasn't that I deserved it and everybody else didn't is that for some reason, everybody else wasn't hearing what was being offered to help them as well moving to that right because I love yeah. to teach mind people of that that all of us are guided this is not just me like all of us are guided and when life happens and things unfold there are all of us have different experiences and some of us turn it off early on and others don't you know some of us are like me right what we don't turn it off until later in life because I did have an experience, my daughter with disabilities, which I know I shared a little bit, the one who's sick now, when she was born and all her challenges were happening, her seizures, going in and out of the hospital, all these emergencies, the voice and the visions that guided me before went silent, like complete silence. And I felt very alone. So yes, there was a part of me that felt protected and guided. Like I knew God was always protecting and guiding me, but that doesn't mean that had me living outside of challenge. It just... Yeah offered me the opportunity to be reminded that I could choose no matter what was happening. Mm. And so when we're talking about a sensitive, intuitive child, is that that they are more open to the guidance and to the spirit world? Is that what an intuitive child is? So yes. And one of the terms they've given me or they've encouraged me to explore is the idea of spiritual savants. Right. You know, when we think of savants, there's like savants with music, they just know how to play certain music. Right. It's like there's there's there are people and children that are born with more access to the truth than others. Right. Or they have more access to remembering than forgetting. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's so many things that play a role in that. You know, sometimes it is the family that creates the the opportunities in the home for a child to stay in that state of allowing and remembering. And then, of course, I've also met with people and helped people who've been through crazy traumatic experiences. And it was their trauma that opened them up, right, to hearing and seeing stuff so they could actually survive some of their challenges and some of the things that they were going through. So when I think of and I talk about with a parent of a sensitive and intuitive child is that they have access to the spiritual realm in ways that go outside the mainstream or the normal, you know, and that in their own way, they get to experience life as we see in this reality, but also as is unseen in our reality. Yeah. And so as a parent, how would you recognize that your child was sensitive and intuitive? So that is, that is a loaded question, but I'm so grateful you're asking because I hear it often. You know, a lot of times it's fun because I, I, I meet people and I'll audibly hear they have a child or that they're the child. You know, when I hear that, it's like, you know, it's an adult person, but I'll hear they're one of the children. And usually what that means to me is that they have had experiences since childhood, right? And either they don't remember or they do remember and they've never talked to anybody about it. But usually when that happens right away, I share, oh, I, you know, I, I am seeing that is your child sensitive? Do they talk about 
spirits or stuff that seem outside the ordinary. And they're like, oh my gosh, how did you know? <laughs> you know, and a lot of times that's what happened. These children are talking about imaginary friends, you know, and they don't call it imaginary friends. They're actually telling you about their friends. And some of these kids in baby monitors, you'll hear them talking or babbling to things that are in the room. And some of them, you'll see them laughing and playing as if they're playing with something and the parent can't see it on the monitor. And I've had also, even just in social, my social, if you, if you visit, just I just posted today, you know, and the baby monitor, my daughter, I was taking a shower and because she has to be monitored at all times and I don't have a nurse right now, I didn't have a nurse in the monitor after I was literally asking for thousands of angels to heal her and be with her in the monitor, this huge red orb and huge light showed up. So it went from a normal monitor to like this thing showing up on the monitor and you see sparkles and you see all of that, right? So it's like, sometimes what happens is that parents, not just the children, but the parents will see things outside of the ordinary. I mean, I've had parents who have come to me, multiple parents who they have children that move stuff, you know, and they're like, you know, I don't know who to talk to. People are going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think my child is crazy. I have parents who talk to, uh, to me that their children are talking about other worlds and children are talking about memories of things that are not part of this life, you know, that they remember very, I had a parent this is actually a really fun one. I had a parent who contacted me. And as I was talking to the parent, the little girl walks up and looks at the camera. She's like, oh, that's the woman I've been talking about. <laughs> the wow. one who's going to be helping us. Like she had been connecting with me and knew of me before I even met her parents. And the mom, of course, starts crying. And but within this specific parent with this specific situation, that mom was saying that as soon as the daughter started talking, she was telling them that she knew what she was here to do, that she came with others, and that she was going to be creating a solution, a medical solution, and she knew exactly what she needed to do. She remembered and talked about memories in other lives when she was a man, when she was a woman, like things that would be impossible, and they would look it up, and they would validate some of her story. So a lot of times, some of these parents will have their children sharing stories that are not of this life, and when parents check, they can validate. I've had experiences, even with my own children, but also parents say that whenever a parent doesn't feel good or somebody doesn't feel good, they'll know what to do. You know, I have a story of a mom who, same thing, contacted me and she goes, I don't know who else to talk to because people don't think I'm crazy. But her son with Down syndrome, um, there was an older man walking alone and apparently her son didn't engage with anybody. He did. He felt very sensitive um, and she would. he would always just be to himself. And there was an older man and he reached out and touched him and pulled him in and hugged him. And the man started crying. And the man said that that day, you know, that day he had asked for a miracle because his wife passed a day or two before. And he said that when the boy touched him, he felt like literally peace moved through his body, a peace that he had been praying for. And so you'll hear some of these parents say that their children have abilities that incorporate healing, that incorporate understanding, levels of emotional empathy that goes outside, you know, the traditional so mm -hmm. some of these parents can also talk about, um, they're audibly, I'm audibly hearing, they'll talk about like where the, the child will talk about future things that are about to happen, things that don't seem logically accessible to them. I've also had parents who will say as they're driving, I've had, I've had several stories where the children will say, oh, that used to be a cemetery, you know, when it's a school now or whatever it may be and the parent checks and it's true. 
So they get to see beyond the physical. And I'm not talking about just young kids. These are young kids, these are 12 year olds, these are kids of all ages. But so those are some of the things that they can experience. And I know that was a lot of them. <laughs> How do you know? Well, it's about being attentive to what your child is talking about, what your child is doing, what your child is expressing that is giving you the impression this doesn't seem normal. <laughs> you know, it's like, I hear that often. This, I just knew something was, was different and I felt energy move from that. So I hear that from a lot of parents. I just knew something was different. Yeah. And I guess when parents are the type of parent who is open to hearing that in the first place and not shutting it down, if a child says something, it's like, oh, that's ridiculous. Be quiet. Don't say silly things or whatever. The child's not going to tell you the next thing, are they? So I guess it's really about being open to whatever your child is telling you. And yeah, beautiful stories. I love the stories that you you must have so many, <laughs> so many of those stories. So you spoke about how your parents divorced and how you felt in some way to blame for that. What was it like going through? through that divorce as a as a very sensitive child because there's so much energy there isn't there in a in a divorce situation so great question you know and I'm gonna share from my limited perspective right because that's been so many years but I will do my best and you know I was around 12 between 11 and 12 um, into 13 and during that time again what started happening a little bit before the divorce itself is that I saw a vision and I would see this vision of my mom and me running outside as a little girl and probably this these visions started a while like maybe when I was nine or ten because they had been going on for a while and I came later to find out as I got older that my parents were going back and forth with the idea of separating and all of that and what happen and what would happen. Um, and I, I don't think I spoke to my parents about it, but what would happen is that sometimes I would feel the ache, the emotional ache of my parents. And I would hear the voice share that's, that's not yours to carry. And I would be told that I was feeling my mom or I'd be feeling my dad, all of us, you, all of us, all of your listeners as children were empathic. And what happens is that we're born with a level of receptivity so that we can learn how to borrow from those around us to know how to survive. Like we're designed to be that way, right? So we learn how to survive in life. But unfortunately, what happens is that in our own need to borrow, to learn, you know, from those around us so that we know how to live, how to survive, how to brush our teeth, how to walk. You know, it's like how we, when we do that, we borrow. And unfortunately, some of the things that can borrow may not always be supportive for our belief systems and our mindsets and our behaviors, right? They can create limitations within our own development, you know, our own expectations, our own confidence, our own possibilities, like it could create limitations. And what happened when I was young at that time, and I still, I, I've worked on this because I would say years ago, the angels were showing me that I was still holding some of these things, you know, that I borrowed from my parents. <laughs> so, but I remember during that time when my parents were going through stuff, I would feel these emotions and I would hear the voice say to me, like, that's, that's not yours. That's not yours. And it wasn't necessarily that it was a voice in English because I only spoke Spanish back then, but it was pretty much letting me know like, okay, this isn't yours. And they would help me to, they would literally say, this is this person, or this is this person. 
because it, and I hear this from parents and I hear this from kids and even teens and adults now, it could be, it could feel so personal, right? Like some of the emotions that I would feel would feel so real to me, you know, and what can get confusing is how can you go from feeling happy, wonderful, and great to all of a sudden feeling this ache, like what's going on, right? There's nothing in your physical environment that would have you feeling that way but you are feeling that way empathically healing the parent. And that's happened throughout the divorce, especially my mom, especially my mom. And I'm grateful that at that age, I was hearing the voice and what I called God. So to me, that voice was God. And to me, God, universe, source, whatever people want to call it was my best friend. And it was a voice that would help me to to understand. It doesn't mean it helped me to get out of situations all the time, but it helped me to understand and energy is moving to that, right? It will help me to know how to respond or better respond. Let me say that. And when my parents were getting divorced, that's one of the things that I would be reminded. And I would also be told it wasn't my fault, but that doesn't mean I believed it, right? Because I was like, well, if I saw it, I should have said something like my mind would go into, or remember around 12 and 13, like I should have said something to my mom. I should have done something. Like I I didn't do anything, right? Mm -hmm. So then my human kept thinking that it must've been that I failed to play the role, right? That I failed to play the role to stop it. So it was more of like, I caused it or I failed to act. Those Mm -hmm. were some that came up yeah and I love the way you you just described all of that because it's really just generational trauma isn't it what you've described they're the words that I use to describe what you've just described the things that you take on that are not yours to keep and it's having an awareness that they're not yours to keep but of course as children we do we hang on to them and we can hold on to them until we die if we don't see it and and release it and so yeah I really liked the way there was a different kind of explanation um, that you gave for that which was which was a really beautiful way to describe hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. But you grew up in Puerto Rico and you at some point moved to Florida. So how hard was it to move between those two cultures, specifically as a a sensitive child? I did not like it. I did not Mm. like it at all. And as a sensitive child, I, the best way I could describe it. And I, I, to my hallucination is that most of us understand what this is going to feel like, or on some level have experienced it. And what I mean by that is that all of us on some level have been somewhere, right? Whether it's a location, a city, a home, a town where you're like, this feels good, right? It feels good. There's something about it that feels good. That's our intuition. 
That's our intuition letting us know that the place and space we're in is favorable, right? It, it's in coherence with, with our own well-being and it's favorable. The audible word I'm hearing is favorable. And then there's places we've been to where it's like, get me out of here. This doesn't feel right. I feel stressed. I feel like my skin is crawling. You know, I hear that, you know, it's like, I, and I'm getting chills from that. It's like, we, we feel the discomfort and either we fail to listen and stay and then figure out why, or we just don't feel like we have a choice. And then we stay and then we figure out why, <laughs> why it wasn't a match. And that's how it felt. When I first came to Florida, we moved to Miami. I, I, even though we had family, it wasn't, it wasn't an agreement. It wasn't favorable. And I could feel the discomfort. And all I wanted to do is go back home. Like I just wanted to go back to Puerto Rico. And that was emotional. And that was very frustrating, especially because I couldn't see my dad. You know, he was in Puerto Rico and my mom was in the States. So that was a really hard time. And, you know, and it's funny and reflecting as I'm saying with you, I did hear God and the voices and the angels guiding and supporting me. But I do remember having moments where I felt very alone and I felt like somehow I got forgotten, like somehow God stayed behind, right? Or the angel mm. stayed. Behind. So thank you for asking that because I haven't really thought about it that way until you're saying like, oh, I do remember having moments like that. So great question. And we went back to Puerto Rico. And then when we came back, we moved to another location. And when we went to the other location, it felt more favorable. Like it felt like, oh, this, this feels better. Like I knew we were in a place in a space that was going to offer movement forward. Miami mm -hmm. wasn't giving that to us. And it, that's why we ended up moving to Puerto Rico. My mom experienced that and I could feel it. So moving to the States was challenging. It's at first. Thank you. I'm audibly hearing to say at first, <laughs> the second time around, it wasn't as bad. Yeah. And especially going to a new school, because did you speak English? Great question as well. So I was very blessed. My dad had us go to an American, it was literally called American school. And they taught us English and Spanish at the same time. Actually, all my classes were English. All the writing, all the reading was English. And then Spanish was one class a day. And then whatever other Spanish I learned was at home. So I learned since, I mean, I started going there since kindergarten, first grade, like I was there for a while. So by the time I came to the States, I could read English and I could understand English. I had an accent. Um, there was a cultural challenge. So the irony is that even though Miami was not favorable, it felt more comfortable with my communication because there was a lot of people that spoke Spanish. When we went to the other location, even though it felt more favorable, I did find myself getting picked on with my accent with my, you know, darker skin, darker hair, you know, there's a lot of people that were fair skin, light hair. And so I did experience some, and, and actually, I think I look at life in such a positive way that maybe if somebody else would have had the experiences, it would have been like, oh, it was challenging. But my hallucination is that I feel like even though there was discomfort, I saw the blessings and the good unfold through that discomfort. I know there's a few times girls wanted to beat me up because of how I looked. And again, there would be, I'm grateful that at the, that time I would see stuff, like I would literally see stuff and I would hear stuff. And this is the time that I shared with you that the voice would say, like, look, stand straight, walk straight, look into people's eyes, like, you know, and I was guided into how to embody more of my confidence not just to help me in the moment, but I just kept being told that that's what I was here to do. And I needed to start now. I needed to start now remembering who I was. And again, going back to that idea that I just loved people because I got to see beyond the physical. 
So when I saw people, even when they were being mean to me, I could see how beautiful they were, right? I could see that they actually were more than human and that they were being a certain way with me because they were hurting or because they had their own insecurities. And during those experiences, it was neat to witness how that knowing helped me to even make enemies my friends. <laughs> it's like being able to say, you know, and that's one thing that I used to be an ESC teacher and I, my kids in my classroom were very, very sensitive. And so parents who, if, who have sensitive children, the best thing you could do is help your child understand that their sensitivities and empathy are their superpowers. And that when they're able to feel and experience others within themselves, when they're able to hear thoughts that people are having, when they're able to perceive and see outside the reality, it's because that gives them greater access, right? Greater access to respond and know how to respond to get their way, right? To get things to be favorable for them, right? Things to work out for them. So with all of that, even though I had some bullying going on, because I was able to see beyond the behavior, and that doesn't mean I was perfect at it, but because of that, I sometimes would say things or respond a certain way, which actually would get their guards down and actually created the opportunity for some of these people to become friends of mine versus enemies that before, you know, before they were trying to beat me up. I totally get that. And that's something that everybody needs, isn't it? Because I guess... Yeah, I guess the the world is really a place of misunderstanding and everybody is dripping in their own kind of stuff, you know, that they're trying to deal with and and we all need to look at each other and see that there's so much going on for everybody underneath. That person is not just a, a mean, angry person. There's so much going on for them. And I, I'm quite interested that people can really turn on people quite quickly when they make a mistake or they do the wrong thing. It's, there's just such a lack of empathy. So when we have these beautiful, sensitive, empathic children, I mean, we should be encouraging that for the world, shouldn't we? It should be something that we want to grow for humanity because having more of those sort of people is so important, I think. You're saying that, and I want to just encourage you and all the listeners listening that no matter what age you are at, all of us have access to this. All of us do, right? And mm. it's just deciding that, you know, I want to become more receptive to that. I want to become more in tune with my own sensitivities, my own abilities, and if you have children that you are going to decide to be more present and aware in how it's showing up for them, because all, all of us are born with the language of intuition, all of us, and all of us are born with that receptivity of how we are being guided and provided for. We're all born with it. And what happens is, is that life shows up in certain ways. And sometimes parents don't realize how much they're doing this unintentionally, that it's encouraging more of the shutting down versus the opening up. And the more we just become very receptive, like, okay, how is it showing up for my child? Because all of us are very unique. Some are showing themselves very vividly like me, where I would see stuff, hear stuff and feel things. But sometimes these kids are just, they just get knowings, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's things that come through and it's instead of saying, well, that's not true or that didn't happen. That doesn't, and just like, tell me more, you know, mm -hmm. us becoming curious with our children becoming more curious with ourselves and just leaning into that ability we all have which is to be curious 
and exploring better questions when it comes to parenting and being with our children. What are better questions that we can ask so that we can better understand versus trying to unconsciously and consciously dictate what something means or doesn't mean? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And so you you touched on it there, but for anybody that wants to kind of open themselves up more to their intuition, what would be the first step? So everybody's different. One of the things that I encourage is first deciding, you know, that's like, it seems so simple, but the reality is every day we should start every day making a decision, making a decision about what kind of day we want to have, making a decision about what we want to experience, making a decision. I'm open, ready and available to experiencing more of my intuition, more of the language of the soul. Just making that decision is first. Secondly, I like to play with people and taking inventory. Okay, well, why don't you go ahead and take time to be in curiosity and identify where have you had it show up in your life? You know, maybe you have childhood memories or maybe adult memories, but whatever it may be, where have you noticed intuition? You know, maybe you just knew, like it could even happen. A lot of times I hear this, like I knew I shouldn't have worked with that person or I shouldn't have dated them. I don't know why I did that. Write that down, right? It's like, write it because what we need as human is to prove, right? It's like sometimes before we believe something's possible, we like to get proof. (laughs) It's like, we need to Like, okay, where has it, is it really true? Is it really possible? So first take inventory of yourself, then do another inventory. Have I met people, right? Even even this, take inventory of this, right? Yes, I did see a podcast in which a woman was talking openly that this is her normal. That stacks proof, right? That helps us to lean more into the yes, which in turn helps our human mind to lean more into witnessing. Witnessing what's already happening. You know, because a lot of times people think, well, it's for some people, not all of us. No, we are all receptive to it. It just shows up differently. Some of us get it through knowing. Some of us will hear something. Some of us will get visions, which look like memories. Some of us will get dreams. Some of us would get hunches. They're wanting me to say hunches. I have a hunch about something, right? They can't explain it, but it's a hunch, right? So all of us get the language because it's the language of the soul, And if we're breathing, if we're alive, then that language is there. And then I would suggest is moving into curiosity. Like moving to curiosity is about welcoming it in your day, noticing how it's showing up, finding a book, a class, more podcasts, right? That can inspire that and get curious so that you can step into remembering because it's not about learning something new. It's about remembering what you already know that somehow you forgot along the way. Ah, so so you're saying because we are born with intuition, we've just we just forget it quite young and then we we need to remember it. I think for me often it's it's and what I feel in my body, it's a feeling that it's wrong when your throat closes up or your stomach you can feel that's the wrong thing to do when your body is reacting in a certain way as well. Yes. You know, and I think, so there's two things to that. Yes, that's accurate because I I share with people, you you have to, you have to practice trusting yourself, right? It's like, we've been programmed to not trust ourselves and trust others outside of us. And that that's, that's unfortunate, but that's, that's important, right? For us to move into trusting ourselves. And then secondly, doing 
what you need to do to move into healing, because those things can come up from trauma, you know, from trauma in our past. And unfortunately, sometimes the biochemistry, those parts of our brain take over of like, oh, there's danger, but it could just be the dangers connected more because something feels familiar, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that it's danger itself. Right. So I think that it's like there, it's about trusting oneself and noticing those things that come up and yes, listening and acting upon it but also being very intentional and doing the work. Like, what are you doing to bring yourself into well-being and balance? Because the reality is that's one of our purposes. One of the reasons we're here in this life is to take off the layers that we've borrowed. You know, part of our destiny and part of our purpose is to remember who we are without all these layers that we've borrowed from so many people, right? So that we can step into our own ownership. So we can step into using our own voices. So we can step into moving into the actions that are literally divinely guided because they've been seated uniquely for us. So part of our purpose is to move into letting go of those layers, right? And they keep showing me clothing, right? You know, we don't realize how we're walking around with our dad's coats, right? It's like, take off the coat, take out your mom's dresses, take off your dad's hat, take out your grandma's earrings. Like symbolically, we're wearing clothes that are not ours. We're wearing layers that are not ours. We're wearing insecurities and thoughts and emotions and belief systems that are not ours. And it's kind of like, well, how can I commit daily even if it's something small, you know, but what are some of those micro doses that can be added into the day that enforce us remembering who we are and letting go of what we are not? Mm, that is so beautiful. I love that so much. Often those things that you think are intuition are conditioning. It's breaking out of that and just, it's something to definitely to practice, I think. I think it's just practicing an awareness and allowing, isn't it? Allowing yourself to, I mean, I've been doing that myself the last few years and just just allowing myself to have an awareness and to just let things happen. And yeah, it's such a beautiful thing when when you do allow yourself to do that because we can get so shut off and so closed off and so fearful and we can live in so much fear so yeah it's just just allowing ourselves not to have that that fear and just let it all go and I know that you have three children Emily and your first born child was born with severe disabilities as you mentioned earlier and how has having a daughter with extreme disability helps you to step outside the normal of parenting? So thank you for this question. She has been my most powerful teacher. All my kids are, you know, I'm very, very grateful because she was my first child and she really taught me how to hone my own abilities and how to step into better understanding her so that I can be the parent she needs, you know, not the parent that everybody thinks we should be. And because of her disabilities being so extreme, as I mentioned, I went, things went silent when, you know, when she started having seizures and going to the hospital, like I was like, I felt abandoned. Like I was like, God abandoned me. (laughs) It's like, I don't know how to help her. This is like, and there was so like, I remember looking at parenting books and looking like trying to figure out like, what do I do? And what started happening is that it became a must. Like there was a decision that I made inside of me for some reason that I had to remember my gifts that I must step into living outside the normal, that I must become more than just me so that I could save her. 
And it was this decision that put me in a quest. And I say quest because I went into prayer. I remember I went days and I was fasting, begging, you know, and, and I, I did so much to just try to get to a place where I felt that if I could bring myself into peace and alignment, I could heal her. Right. So it's like, I went into that quest, like I was saying, like taking off the layers, what it wasn't mine. I didn't want it because that's the only way I felt she could survive. And what started happening is that my own commitment to be in my seeking and my opening up again, brought me into places and spaces within my life, within my mind, within my emotions that had me really open up to the next level. And, you know, I started having experiences that I would very clearly hear her thoughts, you know, and I would learn how to talk to her outside of just the use of language so that I can help her with her own healing, you know, and I had times where I learned Reiki, I learned energy healing so that I can help her when she was seizing and come out of seizing, I would help her with her temperatures when it was high, I would move into just creating miracles, which then I continued to explore with my children with my other children. But what started happening is that it somehow unlocked my gifts to the next level. So what came to be was that when she would have the most extreme emergencies was when I could see the presence of God the most and the presence of love and light and meaning like she would stop breathing. Um, she would be coded, like all these things would happen. And I would have these presences show up. And they started teaching me that as parents, every parent is a surrogate for their child. Every person is, can be a surrogate for anybody we choose to focus our love upon. And during that time, I was learning how my own decision to be in peace, my own decision to choose love, my own decision to choose peace over chaos actually would bring her back to life. You know, chaos would be happening and I would be told breathe for her. And I would just close my eyes, bring myself to peace. And I would start breathing, like imagining that I was breathing through her body and she would start breathing again. And there would be times where she was in seizure. And instead of, of course, I would do everything I needed to do in the physical. And then I would just close my eyes and imagine her brain moving into balance and into well-being. And then she would stop seizing. So it's as if she became my biggest teacher in helping me remember that we're more than human. But she also became my biggest teacher in surrendering. You know, one of the things I'm not a master at it and I'm not perfect, but I came to really understand that my daughter came this way for a reason. Her soul chose these disabilities for a reason. And it wasn't, who am I? Who am I, right? To think that she made a mistake or God made a mistake or universe made a mistake that she chose for a reason. And it pushed me into a place of surrender and to actually understanding that the reason she chose her disability was because this is the only way she could carry out her destiny. And if I tried to interfere, I would somehow be taking away from her own fulfillment. So I learned to move into my own clarity of fulfillment, which is whenever she would go through emergencies, like instead of me focusing, how do I heal her and take away the disability? How do I help her manage and thrive through her disability? And mm -hmm. that moved me into understanding that I, the way I could do that was to be her surrogate. And the way that I could do that is to be the voice when she couldn't be the voice, right? You know, I do it with my children when my other daughter goes out, you know, and, and, you know, I, I call in the bodyguards, the angel bodyguards to protect her and keep her safe. You know, when my little one goes to school and, 
he's having some things come up. I ask the angels to be the voices that speak through him and, and guide him and encourage him, you know, and I have stepped into a place where it's not always easy, but I do it often. Energy's moving to that. And I think all parents need to hear this, that our role is to guide our children and inspire them to own their own level of wisdom and mastery, to guide them, to encourage them, to help them to see that they have choices you know, because a lot of time kids make the wrong decisions because they don't realize they have a choice, you know, and it's like teaching them how to think, how to think for themselves versus be dependent on what others are telling them and what other kids are doing. Right. So I think that as parents, we have a role to also embrace that our child is the way they are, because that's how they need to be to succeed in their destiny. And the question is, what can we do to help them manage their uniqueness so they can thrive, love themselves and understand that they're here as they are for a reason. So my children became the biggest teachers of that. Oh my goodness. Everything you just said, your levels of understanding are incredible and your kids are incredibly lucky to have you as their mom because you're giving them the gift of understanding and and just allowing them to thrive in the, the most beautiful ways. And do you feel that your kids have an intuition themselves? Yes, for sure. And first of all, thank you for for saying that. I have to say, I feel like I'm the luckiest. I feel very lucky with my kids. It's cute. My seven year old, he, he, you know, sometimes like, oh, man, I have to do this. And he'll look at me and be like, you don't have to, you get to. I'm like, you're right. You're right. I you know, and since little, it's like he he's been this beautiful reminder. It's like, oh, remember, mom, you don't have to, you get to, you know, what are you going to, what are you going to focus on today? Like, he'll remind me little things here and there. And my daughter, same thing, you know, my 19 year old, you know, it's, it's fun to witness. And one of the things that I, I I'm being encouraged to share for all parents is that the best way to teach your child what's possible, the best way to guide them into their highest and best is being that example, right? And how do we become that example is taking time to work on ourselves. I just need to really, really emphasize that because I'm audibly hearing to encourage that. So a lot of times as parents, we get very caught up, like, well, how do I do this for them? How do I get them to choose better? How is it, you know, it's like, I'm telling them what to do, but they're still doing that. It's like all this stuff. It's like, okay, well, what can you do? Remember, remembering what I was just sharing, we are surrogates to our children. And whether we realize it or not, we are telepathically communicating with our children and they're communicating with us. Whether you feel like you're intuitive or not, it's happening. Your children are borrowing from you. So the question is, how can you become the giver, you know, the one who's offering what's being borrowed that can support them in their well-being? That's one thing. And then second thing I was audibly being encouraged to share is that trust that your decision, right, to do the things that you're doing to help your child will be landing and they will be revealing themselves in the perfect timing because I hear a lot from parents it's like I'm doing all of this and it's like they're not getting it they're not understanding it and it's like remembering children are children like children are going to be in this playground and they're going to test the limits and they're going to go ahead and go right and left up and down like that's part of life that's part of living but the more we can deliver and let them borrow from us through our own example, we will see it effects later, you know, Mm. and again, I say that because I've seen it with my daughter, there's things she says to me, and, you know, we had a, a very challenging divorce, you know, me and, and their dad, 
And my daughter had a lot of challenges around that because of how the father and certain things, choices that were made were part. And she felt very abandoned through it. And I remember one day we were driving and I, I do this fun thing with her. We like to do dates. And that happened to be, I rented us a convertible and we spent the whole day going out and having a good time. She was young. She was probably like 17. She was still in, in school. And I remember a friend had offered for her to write a book and she's like, I don't know what I'm going to write a book about. And I said, honey, you can write a book of what your divorce and your experience, or maybe your sister and all the challenges you went through with your sister, you know, the times you went to the hospital and all this was happening. And she's like, yeah, but I don't think it was that bad. You know, she goes, it wasn't, it wasn't that challenging, mom. I don't know why that, why I would be able to write a story. And what she said to me is you helped me to choose to be happy through it all, Mm -hmm. right? Helped me to know that things were working out in my favor. And she said all these things and I started crying, right? Because in that moment, in that moment, it was as if I was getting to witness that all of the hard work that I was doing, not just as a mom, but also on myself, she borrowed, right? That within her own challenges and maybe some of the choices that I wish she would have done different, but they're not my choices, right? They're hers, that they did land. And I just want to encourage parents to know that, that you may not see it right away, but your efforts, your efforts that are delivered and offered in love get received. You may not see it right away, but you will see it in perfect timing. Oh my goodness. So emotional. I just feel like for her, for your daughter, this was her normal. You being there to support her was was her normal. And, and then later down the track, she tells you, but you you brought me through, you did all these amazing things to make it a good experience. And so often at the time, they don't tell you that, you're not aware that you're helping them. And kids also only learn things when they're able to, you know, like, I think a lot of there's this expectation that this little child needs to understand something really complex. And they just don't, you know, they're just not up to that. So Yeah, everything you said was just so beautiful. Emily, you're offering some wonderful guidance to help parents of sensitive, intuitive children. Can you tell us what you're offering? Well, thank you for that invitation. So I offer sessions, but also do coaching as well. And I love working with parents. I love working with teens as well. (laughs) And I love working with parents and their children. I think it's fun to witness what happens. I've had many, many parents that have hired me because their children are struggling, whether it's at school, even just with being sick. One of the little boys, one of the parents that I work with, mom and dad, they have two children who are sensitive and they've been able to get clarity and guidance on how to support both of them because they're so different, so different. But one of their children had a lot of medical challenges and very simple, simple changes that were so simple. And it's funny, right? Because we think it's maybe the the food or maybe it's a medication or maybe, you know, it's like something so simple in their environment and how they were telepathically communicating with with him that changed his whole health completely. So I love doing sessions. And again, if not coaching with parents who are having such, you know, situations like this, or having, you know, some people call it challenges. I don't think they're challenges, right. But maybe they just don't know, like, what do I do to help them? Or how do I further expand their gifts? Or how do I promote more of this understanding? How do I get better with my intuition? How do I open up? I also do have programs and certifications and events that I do. I love doing women's event, which we're going to be doing more. But if anybody wants to get more information, they can visit me on social. That would probably be the best and even send me a message. 
and we will make sure we we set something up and support as best as we can. And okay. my social mm-hmm. is the angel coach, the angel coach, the angel coach. Yes, I'll put the links to everything in the show notes so that people can find you easily. And it's just, this has been a beautiful conversation, Emily. I just love what you're doing. I love all the levels of understanding that you're helping people with you know it's just so beautiful this is something we need to really grow in the world we used to shut down children children were to be seen and not heard and especially for sensitive children it's really life-changing for somebody to hear them and to work with them and allow them so everything you're doing is so beautiful thank you for sharing with us today And thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and also just giving us the chance, right, to help parents understand these children because more than ever in humanity, these children are being born and they're being born for a reason. And it's because we're all here to be a witness of a lot of beautiful changes that are going to happen in our world. And these children are coming with the answers that we've been praying for. So it is about really understanding that if you have a child who's expressing some of these qualities, they chose you for a reason. Don't doubt that they chose you for a reason and that they are coming into this world now because their sensitivities are their superpowers and they're part of what's going to help us all collectively. So trust that. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at My Big Love Project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique, your journey is unique, and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious, and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.